Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Welcome to today's episode where we are speaking with our guest and obviously soul family, Catherine Lowry, takes us on her remarkable journey into biomechanics and personal training. And you'll quickly learn in this episode that it goes way beyond just biomechanics. We explore her insights into finding balance, embracing vulnerability, and the quest for neutrality. Come along with us because this episode is definitely one you're not going to want to miss. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are super excited to be chatting with Catherine Lowry. Thanks for joining us, Catherine. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, we love full circle moments around here. And it's so cool that like we've gotten to collaborate with you a couple times now. Although we were kind of laughing saying that you have to live with you in order to truly get to know you because you are kind (laughs) of like this quiet, like, energy that just listens to everybody and you know you're like that you're really good at like um holding a container for people and we're like who is she and we had to live with you for five days to really like really get to know you which was fun (laughs) it was so fun uh Um, being in the same domicile (laughs) mm -hmm. that was a blast so um, for anyone who doesn't know what you do with Equilibrium Biomechanics, can you explain like your path? Well, I don't, wanna, I don't know if I want to say path with horses because that could potentially be like a whole thing, but like say whatever you feel inspired to say about where you're at in your journey. Um, uh, this year has actually been really interesting um, and a bit ego eradicating. So I originally came into my work as a biomechanics expert and a personal trainer from a super scientific engineering brain standpoint, which my dad was very excited about. He was always a little disappointed that I didn't become an engineer. Um, (laughs) And this year, um, actually at the first Elements of Connection Clinic, when I sobbed in front of everybody because you guys blindfolded us. Um, (laughs) it was good. It was good. Um, and then I had to teach, right? So I had this complete meltdown of you've taken away my vision. And so now all I have is my science and I can't see, um, I can't see my science guys. So maybe it's not real. And then I found out that it was real. Um, and I left that clinic with this sense of being um, a movement hippie, which was, (laughs) I know I laughed, I like messaged Celeste, I was like, I'm a movement hippie, and it's fine, it's okay, and I just want everybody to (laughs) feel peace in love in their body, recognizing that my journey was not, um, did not start that way, so my journey with my body was not peace and love, it was definitely a battlefield, and I was frustrated and pissed off at her, and Um, so (laughs) my business has shifted to include some of the work that I did. And thanks to you ladies, I've learned, um, 
how to teach from a neutral place so that I'm not going, well, this is what I did. So it should work for you because that's not, not how emotions work. And I had stayed away from the emotional component. Um, I wasn't afraid of it, but stayed away from teaching it as part of my work because, because of that, because I was afraid that I was going to go into my psych psychoanalyzing brain and go, this is this, and that is that. And I was going, this is not going to be helpful for anybody. Um, because I, I wanted it to be a little bit more free form, a little bit more chaotic. So I have, um, what do I do? Short, short word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I go beyond biomechanics is the phrase that I've come up with, which is that I really want to look at teaching the oh, scaffolding. Oh, I like so much. Isn't it like, it's delicious. Yes. Um, teaching the scaffolding of the science so that you can come back to it and rely on it when you're like, what the hell is going on? But still look at everything that's beyond that and how you apply it to your day-to-day -day life. Beyond biomechanics is so beyond. Just I love that so much. Because it really is like you explain it as the scaffolding. And it is nice to be able to go, okay, well, I don't know with anything that you're doing. I don't know. I don't know. Go back to the beginning and just start right there. I do know this, right? So yep. really cool. I like that a lot. But it reminds me of your and my first um, collaboration where you came on my class, Amber, where like, you can always go back to the breath. You can always go back to the breath. And I was so intimidated because you're so good with chaos and all of my training in breath work was like, okay, we're going to work towards you know, the exhale being one second longer than the inhale and it's these muscles, which is still super useful and beautiful. And then, um, so you came onto my, uh, class to help us bust out into our breath work. Uh, and then I hopped on one of your podcasts, one of your, um, breath work. I can't even think of the word now, but I don't know what they are anymore. They mutate every time I do them. They're kind of like a journey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like a breathwork journey. journey. I don't know if it's was... going to be breathing and journaling and probably getting up and like screaming, maybe. I don't know. And it was so good. I was so, so very pregnant, so very uncomfortable, really struggling with the fact that I had all of these family holidays coming up. And I was like, I can't breathe. And coming up against that, but you can breathe, right? So when your mind's in that, when you know, <laughs> going back to being a good student, you're like, I know I can breathe. I know that these muscles are working, I'm still walking around but I can't do it the way that I want to do it. And that's stressing me out, man. Um, and I got to come on to, you know, just listening to you in the background while I was cleaning up the house and being uncomfortable. And I was like, oh, look, I'm breathing and it doesn't have to look like anything that it's looked like before today. I've got a lot of things that I haven't had to deal with often, like being very pregnant, like being a soccer ball. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's good to hear. I'm glad. I'm very glad. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's just, that, that, <laughs> just well, yeah. It's like that piece of because I am so like not <laughs> structured for the most part, <laughs> and then so when I have people around that like teach something structured, it's like, oh wow, it feels so. Um, it feels so good to know that there is that like oh, I can always go back to that piece where it's like, I don't have to wonder. It doesn't have to be, you know, like 
all in the moment. Me and Shaylee were just talking about how the way our brains or whatever, whatever is operating, (laughs) (laughs) whatever's taking the wheel, (laughs) whatever, whatever's controlling us when we're doing shit is that we have to stay in the energy of the people that we're holding space for. And like, you can't on that. And that's so uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. So good, but so uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, so I like I like having both, and then I like having people in my life that are both are both that the opposite of me that I can like help. <laughs> exactly, I really yeah I appreciate it because I know when I get clients that are really every time I have a client that's super stuck in their head and um a phrase that I use for myself is that I'm often educated beyond my ability to like let go and chill and. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm feeling that way, I'm like, I need some Amber and Shaylee in my life where I can, you know, be present and let it go and just go with the flow, go on the journey. And, um, you know, equally as important when you have clients that feel very erratic to say, okay, here's, here's your five-step process <laughs> yeah, to, to find something uh, that feels sort of centered. And, and I love that we get to collaborate with, like you said, people who feel on that pendulum of kind of opposites, but still connected. I found a lot of value in the structure. I, like I was telling you at this past clinic, I never really got to work with you at the first clinic because I was kind of pulled in in different directions. And so it was kind of Mm -hmm. cool to have like the time to do the exercises with you and stuff. And what I find really cool about that is that I, I oscillate somewhere between like a very structured person who likes, you know, like I like steps or I I find myself doing little programs that will tell me like where to put what foot or whatever. But then Mm -hmm. if I do a meditation and someone's like, breathe in for five and breathe out, I'm like, I can't do it. I hate it. Like I need to be able to breathe when I need to breathe. And what I (laughs) loved about um, the structure is that I because I am someone who is not extremely comfortable, like in my own body and moving my body, it was cool to just like surrender to the fact that I was the student. So having that structure and you being like, it's okay, I'm teaching you. Cause if you were to just be like, so sometimes in, in Amber's stuff, she'll be like, move your body in a way that you want. And I'm like, but how? And she's like, by the way, it's never done before. And I'll like move my arms in a certain way. And then I find myself being like, but have I done that before? Because surely like my arm has moved in this way before. So like for me, having that, like pick your foot up and I find myself walking down my driveway now and I like hear your little voice and I like have, you know, like my front foot out with my heel on the ground and I'm like tight in this to drop this and I'll like focus <laughs> on like my little walk. So there is value, I think, in, yeah, in being able to fall back on that structure. And for me, it was like the permission to, to play around with it. Like, I love that you are like, okay, you're the student. Here's what I'm going to teach you. Now go play around with it. Now find that like fluidity after I've given you a little structure. That was like super cool for me. Yay. Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, I, I don't really have words for that other than it, it's been really interesting to, um, I don't know, when you step back and you look at your own work and reflect on it from five, 10 years ago, Right. And you go, oh, I see the pieces and then how it has morphed into its own thing. Um, I learned my personal training through the American Council on Exercise and they have a 
pretty strict, which is helpful, right? Again, being able to go back to that baseline, but a really strict program on you're going to do this and then you're going to do that and then you're going to do this. And I found very rapidly that while I loved that <laughs> um, and used it to heal my body, uh, that a lot of people don't love that. And it's, I, it's almost like depending on what camp you start in, it's really easy to go, well, how come they don't love that? Like, cause they don't, I don't, they don't have to, who, you know, you want a little bit, a little bit of all the things. So it's been really fun to do the research and be able to, you know, the things that I get to be really, um, papa about like humans heal strike at a walk is not up for debate. It is 100% how our bodies work. Um, it is up for debate at a run, interestingly. But anyway, I to totally digress. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're like moving into more of this energetic hippie space, how are your online one-to-one -one sessions? If you feel like you have been able to tap into more of your intuition and reading the bodies more intuitively or someone like Amber or Celeste who has always been a trainer and putting their hands on horses and on people. Mm -hmm it's gotta be a transition, right? Like doing distance sessions. The really cool piece with it that has become invaluable now that I've figured out Zoom and how to get it to not be in speaker mode all of the time. Um, guys, I stumped the Zoom IT team. Like they were like, I don't know. I don't know why you're saying you have it. Everything's set for gallery and here it is still in speaker mode. So I just logged in with two devices and that makes <laughs> it. Um, but anyway, being able to go back and watch the recordings is invaluable because at some point, you know, our lives go up and down and uh, our clients have, I think many of us have clients where that initial upward is so steep and so quick and then life kind of levels out and then there's a little slump. And when we get into that slump, when it happens, one, not retaliating against it and going, this is still normal, but also being able to go back to the original videos and go, is there a ghost of what's going on here in here? Or is this something that's totally brand new? That's been really cool and helpful. It has been hard to not be able to actually reach out and touch and guide clients like I would at clinics. Um, and I can still be silly and everything else. So I think that that's part of like, I've had to burst out of my shell and be more vibrant and more loud so that they can feel and see and I can send them the pictures, you know, like we do with the ponies and be able to demonstrate that way. So that's been hard. But also on the flip side, I think that that's so much of what helped me morph my relationship with coaching clients was that I couldn't step in and help them. So I had to help them to tap into their intuition first. And so I had to slow down and I had to, you know, I talk about talked about making the breath the first thing. But then as soon as we got into pelvic tilts and bridges and everything else, it's like the breath went on the back burner. And once I was on the lives, I was like, I don't know if they're breathing or not, because I'm not sitting in front of them watching their stomach go up and down um, the way, you know, quite the same way that I am when I'm in person. And so I shifted the whole program to go, okay, so now we're going to do this movement, but it's going to be in time with the breath and we're going to 
build outward from there and be able to really notice that, which then meant once clients, you know, if their goal is to get into the saddle, we've spent so much time putting the breath at the center of this session that by the time they're in the saddle, I usually don't have to remind them to breathe. I usually I get a little chuckle and they're like, don't forget to breathe. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's, it just makes me so happy that to go, that's what they need because I'm not going to be there every step of every day going, don't forget to breathe. Um, and it felt good. It felt very empowering to the clients to give that back to them and not be relying on my eyes. Um, there's that thing with the eyes again to <laughs> um, help them find their strength and help them find their own rhythm within their body. The really cool piece with it that has become invaluable now that I've figured out Zoom and how to get it to not be in speaker mode all of the time. Um, guys, I stumped the Zoom IT team. Like They were like, I don't know. I don't know why you're saying you have it. Everything is set for gallery and here it is still in speaker mode. So I just logged in with two devices and that makes it. But anyway, being able to go back and watch the recordings is invaluable because at some point, you know, our lives go up and down and uh, our clients have, I think many of us have clients where that initial upward is so steep and so quick and then life kind of levels out and then there's a little slump. And when we get into that slump, when it happens, one, not retaliating against it and going, this is still normal, but also being able to go back to the original videos and go, is there a ghost of what's going on here in here? Or is this something that's totally brand new? That's been really cool and helpful. It has been hard to not be able to actually reach out and touch and guide clients like I would at clinics. Um, and I can still be silly and everything else. So I think that that's part of like, I've had to burst out of my shell and be more vibrant and more loud so that they can feel and see and I can send them the pictures, you know, like we do with the ponies and be able to demonstrate that way. So that's been hard. But also on the flip side, I think that that's so much of what helped me morph my relationship with coaching clients was that I couldn't step in and help them. So I had to help them to tap into their intuition first. And so I had to slow down and I had to, you know, I talk about talked about making the breath the first thing. But then as soon as we got into pelvic tilts and bridges and everything else, it's like the breath went on the back burner. And once I was on the lives, I was like, I don't know if they're breathing or not, because I'm not sitting in front of them watching their stomach go up and down um, the way, you know, quite the same way that I am when I'm in person. And so I shifted the whole program to go, okay, so now we're going to do this movement, but it's going to be in time with the breath. And we're going to build outward from there and be able to really notice that, which then meant once clients, you know, if their goal is to get into the saddle, we've spent so much time putting the breath at the center of this session that by the time they're in the saddle, I usually don't have to remind them to breathe. I usually I get a little chuckle and they're like, don't forget to breathe. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's, it just makes me so happy that to go, that's what they need because I'm not going to be there every step of every day going, don't forget to breathe. Um, and 
it felt good. It felt very empowering to the clients to give that back to them and not be relying on my eyes. Um, there's that thing with the eyes again to <laughs> um, help them find their strength and help them find their own rhythm within their body. I was always the person who was the mindset of like, I need them to be able to show me how will I understand contact if someone's not, you know, holding my hand on the other side and showing me exactly how it feels. And I, I used to be the type of student where the trainer gave me a visual like water coming out of your leg. And I'm like, how is that to feel like to you? Or like, right. I would always ask my trainer, if you ask your horse to move forward, what muscles are you actually using? What are you feeling? <laughs> and so distance sessions for me have totally been like, giving the power back to me and making me be a problem solver and having to really understand that my mind and body are capable of or not and that's like the biggest thing times when someone comes up to you and they place your hands on you you can bring conscious awareness to that space and then if you're not ready like if you don't do it yourself and you're not ready then your leg goes right back to where it was and you understand right. what you need but the way that you're having to teach now with the one-on-one, -on -one, it's completely up to the person to do what they're ready for. And I've been learning so much about that with craniosacral because I can feel things yeah. like trying to shake my body and then it doesn't. And my conscious mind is like, I know where she's <laughs> going with it. My body's like, nope, not today. And I imagine it's Make me. the one-on-one. -on -one, <laughs> it's true. It's true. And uh, it's really made me um, like the queen of modifications. And that's been really fun of, okay, so they don't have the same barn or the same, like, I would just hang on my, um, you know, uh, panel fencing so that I can open up my hip if I can't, if I don't have somebody there to help me open it. Uh, and then I had a client that's like, I don't have any f fencing that would work with a horizontal bar, like it's all old and I'll break it. And I was like, hmm, steps, no steps. Um, <laughs> and so then we, you know, we essentially built a platform like we often do for the horses to give them that little bit of an elevation. And uh, just as scratching the surface of really learning to find modifications that work in people's space, so that their environment can support them too. And, you know, like you said, the that ability to problem solve. Um, and then I get to be excited that they problem solved, which is so so cool because i don't experience burnout and it's very i think it's easy when you're a professional in a burnt out state and i love being surrounded by professionals that are like it's not the client's fault it's not the client's fault it's not the client's fault because you can go on facebook and find group after group after group that's just complaining about clients and how you know hard it is to be a professional and to be surrounded by women who don't want to do that and professionals that don't want to do that, professionals that go, what can I shift that I'm not experiencing burnout because I love my job, I love my clients, I want to be the best that I can be for them. And I think that problem solving is, it's, again, going back to it's delicious. It is the, the most fun, creative flow energy state of, you know, looking around a room and being like, well, what, what can I use to release my psoas or <laughs> drop my hip or whatever, whatever it is. And then getting to celebrate and be like, heck, heck yeah, we can use, you know, whatever it is to assist your body and like snaps for you, bring on the champagne. <laughs>
it's we had um I had my Pilates instructor who's also a client that has a horse here and for my master class she did we were trying to offer people different um ways to move and mm-hmm. um and so I had just like my Qigong friend like everyone did a little bit in there and we were in the barn aisle and we called it barn burn we had like <laughs> shavings we had bales of shavings with saddle pads we used um, lunge whips and like the stall doors and like it was great so that's like totally what I envisioned like there was buckets involved it was like yep. okay. so good yeah <laughs> you have to be there and be like okay so don't hurt yourself uh, <laughs> sit out um and it's so to get completely off topic Logan is a climber which uh my parents were really funny my mom was like pray you don't have a climber Gaden's parents are like pray you don't have a climber uh so we have a climber and not only is a climber, he's also a pusher. So he pushes stuff up to things so that he can climb on them after you've said, don't climb on that. And like, Caden, I hope you're ready for him to like, I don't know, hike Everest or something. Cause, um, that boy is, uh, if I'm the queen of modifications, he is the prince and he finds anything that he can stack, but it's such a playful, playful energy. And that's, that's what I'm envisioning, um, with the, the whips and the, the straw bales and the blankets of, you can't help but laugh when mm-hmm. when you're using your environment like building blocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, there's two things now. I will say there was this major shift for me when, and you can speak to the importance of this. It's so ridiculous because the stuff that I teach, I'm always like, we're always coming back to the body, come back to the body, come back to the body. And I realized that at one point when I was going to Pilates like two or three times a week, um, that her studio is super cute it's on her ranch and you look out and there's like all these turkeys and all these little animals and so I yes, found, I know <laughs> I found myself like checked out outside so I was doing everything but I was like oh. <laughs> running and with the turkeys so <laughs> one day I was so stressed out about things <laughs> But I was like, I just don't want to think. So I'm going to pay attention to my body. And I was so freaking sore the next day, (laughs) like just where my awareness was going. And it sounds, Mm -hmm. I was so shocked. And I was like, how could I be so surprised at this? I don't know. (laughs) But just your awareness of your, while you're doing the movements and, you know, just my mind shifting, like completely changed the way my body took on the actual exercises that we were doing and how different it felt. I'm like, how many people are out there working out, getting stronger, but checked out of their bodies? Right. Is it literally changing how your muscles are being activated or is it just like what goes on? What, what is happening there? (laughs) What is happening there? Um, so one of the things that I would hypothesize goes on is that when we're checked out of our body, um, we're in our compensatory mechanisms, right? So our body's just going through its automatic processes and we're we're not catching those, which allows us, like the reason the compensatory mechanisms are there is so that we can sort of kind of do whatever it is that we're there to do and think about whatever else it is we need to think about. It's the beauty of being human. So we can hold both of these spaces at once, but we don't have enough time, many of us, to come back and go, okay, brain, sit in the back seat for a second and I really need to embody myself so that I can catch that I prefer to use my right arm for everything and uh, that the left arm is not working as hard all of which you will feel 
in your solar plexus and your diaphragm and your vagus nerve um, and your ability to I call it the mental stream of consciousness, right? That ability to have things just kind of float by like the turkeys out in the field, but not go be with the turkeys out in the field. And <laughs> that's where I would go to Amber. So I, I <laughs> love like, turkeys. <laughs> I don't have to feel any of the discomfort. Cause I'm just like, what? Like my mom would sometimes right. and they would be talking and she'd be like, is this okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's really hard, but like, I'm not. And then I realized, oh, it's probably not as, <laughs> as, not as effective. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so funny you mentioned turkeys because my old turkey popped up on my um, memories. And I will tell you, turkeys are like the female turkeys are the coolest pets. Male turkeys, great guard dogs, but female turkeys will like sit in your lap and you can pet them and they're gigantic. Okay, mm -hmm. total, totally left, but I'm back now. So the other piece that occurs is because we're going through our compensatory mechanisms we miss the stress cycles on purpose, right? So when we're in our brain and we're just trying to get through the day, which is where most of us live, we are avoiding all of those stressors, like little landmines in our body. And when we really sit in our body and we go, okay, I'm going to face whatever it is that's in here. Um, and for some of us, it's shocking. It'll be right boom there when you really step into your breath and you go, what happens if I try to breathe a little bit differently and I step into um, breathing down into my tummy and into my root chakra and your body goes, you have this and just loses, um, you know, control. Cause that's scary. Or as you work your way up, um, through the breath, starting lower and then bringing it up at some point, you may find an area that catches and usually in those areas that catch is some incomplete stress cycle. And, um, ideally, you know, or that ideally is the wrong word, but the way that I look at it is if you're working within the scaffolding and you can maintain your breath and you can face that stress cycle and stay the course of whatever the goal was, whether that was bridges or maybe it's just breathing. Cool. You can stay there. But if you find yourself running away from the mental stream of consciousness, uh, you get that adrenaline rush and you really feel like I have to get up and move to complete this, you're gonna bebop over into your work, Amber, right? And start getting that body moving so you can close that cycle. Don't sit there and force yourself to be like, okay, I'm stressed and I'm having a panic attack now, but I can be very still and panic because I am, I am such a good, good human and I have learned to do this. Uh, no, let that go. Light it on fire. Get up, move around, tell people around you you're having a panic attack um, <laughs> if you want to. And let your body actually complete that cycle. Yeah, I had um, everyone has like the reason that they got into the work that they're doing. Yeah. So do you have a story? I do. <laughs> that you want to share around that piece yes i will um this is like such a good time to reshare this story because i got to shift it i'm going to share two stories okay. um the first story was that i was a um budding trainer with a booming business i was starting to get horses to compete we were getting horses qualified to go to bigger shows and starting to look at nationals and really building 
my sh my personal show team and clients show teams. And then I had an accident and uh, the initial accident broke the transverse process off of my L3, which I will tell you, they tell you is a really simple injury and they go in and they do the x-ray and they go, you pop this thing off of your vertebra and you can leave. And um, except that I could not move. And if I attempted to move, I would pass out. So thankfully my mom was there and this is one of the few times in my life that I got to see my mom go full and complete utter mama bear. Because one, I was briefly paralyzed, which scared the shit out of her. And then we get to the hospital and they're trying to send me home. And while I can finally move again, I cannot sit up without puking and passing out. So I come to and I swear the ceiling is black. And my mom is like energetically got this doctor picked up by their throat and saying, you will find her a bed right now. She is not going home. And in the middle of the night, my night nurse comes in. So it's at the shift change. And she asks how I'm doing and, you know, moves back my robe and my eight pack abs that I had at the time are just locked. And I got to have a nurse get mad. And basically, I got to hear her chewing out all the other nurses and the doctors and da da da. Why the heck is this girl not on a muscle relaxer? so that her abs can stop protecting her spine and hopefully she can start moving again. So got on a muscle relaxer, went home, went through the healing process and just never felt right again. You know, and my doctors waved it off as I was getting into my mid twenties and I was a horseback rider. So the fact that I was losing all of this physical capabilities that I had was just par for the course of being an equestrian. And I said, okay, I'm only in my mid twenties. You know, there's people going to the Olympics in their sixties. I think that maybe we were jumping the gun here and we have a, a data point that says everything was great. And then this happened. And so go away, bug. Um, <laughs> Jaylee, I have a funny, uh, funny theory about flies that I want to tell you at some point, but back to my story. Though. <laughs> um, I totally like dropped all my marbles, but then I are squirrel nut moments um, that we have plenty of and it's what our <laughs> entire podcast is built around. And we have an entire mascot for the random nuts that roll through. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and... What was that? It's the inspired action. Like that's, yeah, the squirrel moments are like your inspired moment. So the fly was sparking that. So what is the fly? <laughs> so the fly, have you guys ever said the phrase, I wish I could be a fly on the walls in that room? Mm. I have this, when you have a fly that's like, hey, 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 <laughs> I swear it's somebody that who got their wish granted and they are literally <laughs> the fly on the wall in the room. Um which makes it so I don't get as, I mean, I still like, okay, off my face, please. Anywhere else, stay here next to me. Don't care. Not on my face. Um, anyway, that's my theory about flies. That fly. Yes. Goodbye. Um, it's probably the only fly that's still alive in the state of Utah right now. Um, it's very excited. You've been uh, chosen. I've been chosen. He's really excited about tea time. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, it's because I'm shifting my story. He's like, this is good. This is good. I really, I want to sit in the shifting story. Um, so I decided that this was going to be my new normal. And every, all of my tactics went from being really smooth and embodied to I started riding the way that I did not want to ride. I had to be forceful. I had, you know, I felt like I had to, because I still had all of these <laughs> deadlines that I thought I was going to meet and so on. Um, and my right foot started hurting. My right knee started hurting. My lower back never stopped hurting from the accident. And a couple years later, I don't exactly remember the timeline. At some point later, um, I then suffered a second accident, which was the one where I accordioned myself into a tree limb. And I had uh, five crushed vertebra, vertebra plus my prior injured vertebrae. So I had two in my neck, two thoracic, and two lumbar, and non-displaced. Um, came out of that with a massive migraine. And I had physical therapy once once I I re I just started to degrade really fast. So I had that accident. Um, within eight weeks of the injury, I was using a cane to walk. I was incontinent. I had um, I had this migraine. I remember walking into my chiropractor and saying, I need this, uh, I need this fixed. And I don't care if I have to sign a paper that says I might die on your table, but I cannot do any more time with this migraine. And thank thankfully I lived through the adjustment. Um, is a very brave chiropractor. Um, he felt he was very gentle and so on, but I, really thought, okay, I, I need to figure out another way to be around horses. And so I stepped more into the body worker role and more, um, it wasn't even more into the instructor role. It was less in the trainer capacity. And the cool thing about that was, again, my students learned how to modify their behavior and took their power back because when their horse was struggling, I could not hop on to clarify anymore. They, I had to, I had to learn how to guide students through those rides, which was beautiful. Uh, I learned so much more about equine body work, and my my doctor told me that I was going to end up in a wheelchair, and uh, that was very scary. And I. Did go back and I said, if your goal is not to get me on the back of a horse, then uh, you're not my doctor anymore. So he sent me to physical therapy. And my physical therapist said, you need to not lift anything heavier than a gallon of milk. And I retaliated <laughs> against that. And I said, that's a load like, of bullshit. When has ho any horse girl ever listened? <laughs> Don't lift the things. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so I sort of did the things minus that one. And um, did not get better, surprisingly. And then I met James Shaw, who does Ride From Within. He's a Qigong um, instructor. And at his clinic, he, first off, the beauty of Qigong and the movements and the relationship to the body as the place in which you inhabit and less as the machine that you make do the things. Like, we're not bulldozers, uh, actually, apparently was beautiful. So that was a beautiful shift from the clinic. But the other piece from the clinic 
was he told me I was a really good fake. And the cool thing about that story was that he was the first person we were working on the ability to receive energy. And my body, and you guys, you know, you guys see me do push hands. I really struggle with receiving energy from humans. Like a horse wants to give me energy. I'm like, yep, I can do that all day long. Human being wants to touch me. Um, and I'm not the instructor. No. <laughs> Soul leaves body. And so he felt that, said I was a really good fake, and said that I have something very wrong in my spine. And it sort of gave me permission to be broken, which I had spent a lot of time going, my spine's fine, it's healed, blah, blah, blah. And um, after that, I was able to schedule my MRI, find all of my bulging discs, find my... Um, you know, my compression fractures, et cetera. And not lift anything heavier than a gallon of milk for the eight weeks. This is one of the few, you know, how like you cross the, the days off for Christmas. I'm like, I'm going to do this for eight weeks. And then I'm going to start a couple of kilograms a day, picking up something heavier than a gallon of milk. Um, at the same time that I started my personal trainer certification. So, uh, the discipline that came with that and the fact that I could step back and go, wow, that actually did make a big difference. And that I, I had to, guys, I had to ask for help. <laughs> you, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I had to ask for help. Uh, the flakes of hay all weighed, I swear, the universe and my ancestors were like, sit down and accept some help. They all weighed seven and a half to eight pounds. And I was like, am I doing this or am I not doing this? <laughs> doing it. Seven pounds is the limit. And so I asked for help and I hired feeders and muckers and um, all of the things that I was like, I can just be a stall mucker and a barn manager and, and, you know, still coach the show team and da 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 da. And I sat back and I accepted help. And eventually I even had people come clean my house. Um, which was really hard and helped me with my laundry and all of the things that like life just starts piling up around you when you're injured, whether that's emotionally or physically. And it's like all of those piles almost 10 years ago now, I saw as I'm a failure. And then when I asked for help, the mental dance that I had to go through to ask for help so that I wasn't a failure. And I am so thankful that I had close clients and friends that could come in and help me and go, you're not a failure for needing help with this. You're, you're human. And um, you are taking your entire capacity in your life and putting it towards that you are going to heal your body because they told you that you couldn't. And <laughs> you're going to prove them wrong. And the rest of us are going to do your laundry while you do that. Um, so the shift was at the Elements of Connection Clinic, where I got to do push hands, which is super fun. Um, and so Tara uh, helped me with my push hands and worked on receiving. And she was able to fulfill that instructor role where I felt really safe, which um, I totally feel you, Shaylee, on the, like, I need, I need instructors that I can trust because I'm such a good student that I'm almost a bad student because I step out of my body to be a student. 
And Tara was like, nope, nope, it's okay. I can feel that. We're just going to move. It's totally okay. Look, now you can, look, you accepted the energy. And I was like, what? <clears throat> then um, I got to play push hands with a few people and still feel that even though I have this, you know, little gremlin that sits in my back, that I was still comfortable playing and also that I got to play in, I felt more comfortable being on even footing with people and accepting that nervous system and that push back and forth. Um, and then we did our session with Copper and you and I were, you were like, he says this and I was like, and your body says this. And he's like, yep, absolutely. And I was like, ha, I am not a fake. <laughs> You are definitely not a fake. It was really <laughs> cool to work side by side. And like, I, oh my gosh, I feel so lucky to be a part of this conversation. This is so fun. Um, and I have so many notes, like, look at, look at all my notes on my little whiteboard. And I like, <laughs> I love it. like, oh. and, like cause Amber, we have this, like, we have this agreement that like we mute and unmute ourselves based on like, if we have something to say. And it's so funny. Cause like throughout the conversation, each one of us is like, oh, ooh, and we like unmute to say something. And I was just like, I just got to write all this stuff down because it's so everything that you're saying just resonates so hard with experiences that I've had, like, I haven't had physical pain in the way that you experience it. Like my physical pain is a lot of like trapped emotions. Like, as you're talking about your spine and your journey with like learning to breathe again and learning to relax your muscles. I'm just like, you sound exactly like a kissing spines horse. And it, it resonates with me so much with, with what you say, because I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so much like fear of pain. And there's a disconnect with people who are like, I'm, I'm really happy to have this conversation. I just want to like shout this from the rooftops because there's so much fear when it comes to riding. And it's interesting to me how people bulldoze their horses through their own fear. And, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking of a, a situation and, and I'm hoping that you can shed light on this through your own experience. And maybe you already have, but I have this person who I've been speaking with for a while. And for some reason, she's the first one that comes up to me because she's had similar incidents, like her body almost ended up in a wheelchair and she's had a lot of spinal stuff going on. And the way that she talks to and about her horses are through a lens of fear and just see it from mm -hmm. the outside looking in. Why are you resisting the contact? Why are you this? Why are you that? And I think there's so much to be said about recognizing that and recognizing, especially like when we talk about connection and you're talking about the push hands, I horses with spinal issues, or as I've been learning in, in theta healing, since I've been working with Amber, like anything with the spine or the skeletal system usually has emotions around feeling unsupported or feeling like they like are just unsupported in some way. If the mm -hmm. skeletal system is like failing, so to speak. And I find that horses with kissing spine, they feel their inability to support their own body without, you know, tightening the abs or whatever. Right. And they also feel unsupported by the person because the per because there's this belief that if you don't quote work a kissing spines horse in a certain way, they're going to fall apart. And there's a lot of, I don't know why it is with kissing spines, if it's like the protocols or what, but 
they get like bulldozed through their emotional and physical capacity to actually do the work. So when you were talking about right. like, not being in your body and being the student, like that's exactly them. And I was like, oh my God, you sound like a kissing spine horse. So I'll leave you with that and then I'll continue on with my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, side note, side nut is that the funny thing about that is that we're talking about like when the nuts come and like, and I always can tell when Shaylee's got a lot because her eyes go down and she's like, taking notes. She's taking notes. Okay, go on. Sorry. I, I love it. Um, I also have notes. I'm like, I want to make sure I come back to that. So kissing spine. So kissing spine horses. Yes, unfortunately, they they get bulldozed. And I remember um, being at a clinic last year and i've been really thankful um because of less work and the work that you guys are doing to shift the way that we interact with emotions in the equestrian community that this year has not been so hard <laughs> uh but last year i remember when i i took a break from clinicking because i had a clinic that was just kissing spine after kissing spine after kissing spine and having to give owners permission to slow down um and not stop which is the other end that i've seen we're like well the horse has kissing spine so put it down or give up or da 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 and i basically halted the clinic to say kissing spine hurts like i can tell you it hurts like a son of a bitch and you can support it and you have to go slow at the rate that the body says. You're probably going to have to work through all of the, all of the peeling back the layers of the onion to get to your horse might be angry. Your horse might be understandably fearful, um, which is no different than the unlearning that many other horses are going through uh, and humans are going through as we go. I spent a lot of money to learn this this method for training horses and it doesn't work and it bulldozes them and it's terrible. Yes, be angry about go explore whatever is hidden in that cycle of being trained to push horses past their limits um, and being pushed yourself past your limits. You talked about fearful, fearful riders. And I'm very fortunate. I was a very, very stupidly brave rider um, when I was in my 20s and even into my mid 20s. But when I had to lose all of the muscle and the compensatory patterns that I had to get to whatever the root issue is. Same with kissing spine horses. We have to find out what compensatory patterns can we, what are safe, what's safe to let go of now? And then can I start to rebuild or do I have more that I need to let go of? Once I lost all of that muscle, even my mother's super smooth, super gentle, couldn't buck off a fly if she tried. Believe me, she tried because she was just so ridiculously smooth. Scared me. And she scared, she didn't scare me, right? And I was very thankful to recognize and be able to step back and go, I am not afraid of Abby. There is no way that I am afraid of Abby. I have hopped on this mare bareback with a rope around her neck with no business and like kicked her just to see what would happen. I am not afraid of this horse. And I am afraid of the pain. I am afraid of the loss of stability. I'm afraid of falling off again because I don't know what that's going to look like. And 
giving ourselves and our horses permission to full stop and decide for ourselves if we're going to continue. And the hard part for fearful riders is if you, um, or riders, if you have a horse that needs to be supported through their fear and you have fear that you cannot support others in, you may need to very briefly, not part ways, but have a support system where you have a horse like Abby. I know I'm not afraid of Abby. I also for you know trust Abby. And I could get on her and do my breath work, which took a bit. I'm up there going <sighs> like literal panic attack because I am sitting on a horse. And um she could support me through that because she didn't care. And then she took a step and I sobbed and she didn't care. Um and during that time, my horses that would have cared, my horses that were more um, sensitive to that and could not hold capacity for my fear were either being worked on the ground, were turned out and enjoying their super uh, free horsey lives, or they were being worked by somebody else so that someday we could, with knowledge and awareness and to the best of our ability, bring each other together with a support system that we built. So looking at the the kissing spine horses and their fear their the spine is tricky what protocol works for one kissing spine horse is not a blanket you give it to everybody and it works for everybody it depends where the kissing spine is it depends um all all the other compensatory mechanisms what nerves have pressure on them and what other emotional trauma or training trauma may be in there that you're you're gonna have to work through all of that and safely. Yeah, it's such a big topic and we could go on so long about kissing spines, but I'm going to divert just a little bit because mm -hmm. it's so interesting to me how I feel like fear. So this is just in my experience, like as an animal communicator that yeah. fear and forgiveness go hand in hand and being able to, and, and I'm speaking more recently just because I, I have this, this client that I want to help so much. And I just keep thinking about her and her horse is like, you have to forgive your body for not being able to do the things that it can't do anymore. You have to come to a place where I like, you just can't be in denial. You have to forgive those things. And then you have to forgive me for only being able to support you so far in this journey. Like I don't understand the depth of your pain and you will mm -hmm. never understand the depth of my pain. And we have to come to that agreement. And I think, um, something that I'm hoping you can speak about because ever since you said it, I'm like, it, it comes up all the time for me now. And I like see it in my sessions is when you talk about like weaponizing exercise or weaponizing, even when you're saying like, I recognize that I use my right arm a lot more than my left. And I think of how many people I talk to, including myself who are like, I use my right arm so much more than my left. And because of the things that I know about my nervous system, that's fucking dumb. And I should be brushing my teeth with my <laughs> left hand. And then when I don't do it, I'm like, oh, I'm so lazy or I'm so this. And like, 
it, it's so interesting how we weaponize like our like even like using our knowledge to like put our, I shouldn't say put ourselves down but like I love the way you put it like weaponizing certain things so how do you move from okay I'm being I'm I'm fearful or I know my body is not the way that it used to I'm going to forgive my body for not being that way I'm going to, you're in the acknowledgement phase and as you're moving into movement and into this new space how do you navigate the piece of, I should say, like attempting not to weaponize like the exercises? Yeah, I do want to circle back because I don't want to lose it. Your connection of fear to forgiveness is so uh, like profound. I'm just steeping in it at the moment. And that I think that that you know, acknowledgement being connected to forgiveness in order to ask for the support you need. That was the hardest part, right, of asking for support is you have to acknowledge that you need it. Um, and then often be able to forgive yourself for the fact that you're not capable or, or whatever it is, whatever the story is behind that. Um, whatever you're doing to weaponize where you feel that you don't deserve forgiveness and so you don't deserve support. Um, the, the intrusive thoughts um, are my weaponizing, right? And that, my, that I can do it and I can step out there and there may be some little thing in my river of consciousness that goes by that's like, you suck you're not strong enough, you're fat, whatever it is. And I'm like, watch it float by on the log. <laughs> Why would you say that? Um, that's my friend you're talking about. And it took so long um, to this year. Uh, and I'm sure it will continue to get deeper. To one, find a way to sit with my mind and my body. So my meditation practice and where it started, because I had a lot of time sitting around when seven pounds was my, my maximum. It's my lucky number. Um, and to sit there and go, okay, these negative thoughts that you were thinking are not helpful, right? I had to take it all the way back to if A, then B, because that was a neutral conversation. The thoughts aren't neutral. The thoughts are terrible. Um, but I could sit down and go, what is the neutral piece to this? How do I get from, I need to work out to lose weight. Huge weapon. Um, one of the number one weapons in the exercise world. Yeah, right? I feel it. I, I, I embody this sometimes. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is like, we'll make it about positivity. It's not your weight. It's how fit you are. What if we just move so that we um, like movement? Let's try that. Let's start with that one. And <laughs> so being able to sit down and go, what is it? What is it? Why am I weaponizing? Um, and I think this goes back to the that pendulum exercise that we were playing with. Of yes, I was like, we made it. I knew we would get here. 
was like, we're not even going to say anything. I know it's going to come around. I can feel it. It's going to come. It's going to come. Um, so this is, you're asking, how did the pendulum exercise get born? This is how. Um, because it gave my brain the ability to come back to neutral. And I could recognize that so many of my habits and the reason that I could not support myself. It's not that I wasn't getting anywhere, but I did not feel more supported. I did not feel um, more at ease. I still did not like myself. Uh, all of these cycles that were just building and building and building in my body, which I had to face because I had to ask for help. Um, and so they just were glare every time someone came in my house to bring me groceries or fold the clothes. I was like, I need to clean the house before they get here. And my body was like, you can't do that. Sit down. Um, which was <laughs> beautiful. And then I go, okay, okay. Okay. Well, sitting here and having a panic attack or being angry at myself is not productive. So I'm going to start with how, what productive thing could I do in this time? And it took probably six months for me to go. I could face all of the, uh, all of that. I could face it maybe and actually look at it. So I started to write down what <laughs> we're going to get real geeky. Um, uh, might be a hippie also, also a giant, giant nerd, which I needed it to be concrete <laughs> so that I could look at it and not have it be about me, which was the first thing. If it was about me, my brain was like, don't like it. Don't um, like it. don't like it. Pass. <laughs> I, I'm going to make it about chemistry. My goal is to find neutral. My goal is to find my water pH, right? Uh, and I want to be water. That was the thing, right? And I, I love that we get to come to that, Shaylee, because you're like, how do I be water? Here's how we get to be water. <laughs> so I have this, um, it's very funny. My ego really fought against that kind of visualization of I am water and um, the little like snake goblin thing in the back of my mind was like, that's dumb. <laughs> I was like, hold up, hold up. Hang on. We're going to make it a fast science. Shut up. Drawing a picture for you. Uh, I have an acid. And I have a base. Mm. The base is uh, the way that I see it. Nobody has to see it this way. But the base for me was whatever I projected to show other people. Because it was, you know, in my mind, it was cooler. Um, and it was something typically that I had dumbed down. And that I was putting forth as my, this is my societally acceptable way to demonstrate whatever this is. I'm going to exercise because I want to be thin or whatever, right? This is a very societally acceptable way to exercise. Lots of people make lots of money doing that. And then I had my acid, which was the thing that I typically didn't show people, um, which was all of the horrific words and things that I had said about myself that the only way that I could comfortably explain that to people was go, but I want to lose weight. Really, I think I'm you know, horrific and terrible and a goblin and not worth loving and all of these things um, and very suicidal. And so on things that didn't, you know, don't compute 
with also I'm a professional and I run a barn and da 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 da. And finding what the neutral was. And I had to learn to be okay with not finding a neutral. I think that was the hardest part was that sometimes I would just sit there with my acid and my base and go, what do I even do with these now? Because neutral seems very threatening. Like maybe I can just be how horrible to just be. Um, and <laughs> you challenge that I started to write words on my hands. And I would pick something that I could embody for the day that wasn't necessarily positive because I couldn't be positive because I'm I'm not beautiful uh, and all of these other horrible things. So <clears throat> I would write words that were neutral, like you are, that's neutral. I am, I start many sentences with I am. Um, I usually would in my brain would be like a cripple, fat, horrible, not worth loving. Da, da, da. I'm like, nope, nope, none of those words. We're just going to go with I am. That one right there. It's on my hand. I see it. There's no other words to come after that. And playing and being comfortable with that pendulum of, again, in my world, it was whatever my socially acceptable piece was, and then whatever was the piece behind it that I was hiding. And finding a neutral, spending months in that, and being very careful about what I said to myself. And I would stop, stop moving <laughs> when I caught myself saying something negative. And, um, or the other one that I would do is. I would say something negative. I know that that's not the right thing that I should be doing. So I'm going to switch it out for something super nice that I've done, right? And so now I've become this super, super giver of all of the things and all of my capacity and all of my life. And being able to catch the desire to do both of these things, breathe through it, come back to my neutral statement, and then walk forward. And over time, I trained my brain to not go to these extremes and that I could sit in that neutral. And then curiously enough, a lot of the inflammation in my body went away. I did not change anything about what I ate because I have, I, I knew, I was like, if you start changing what you eat, you're gonna start eating less and then you're not gonna have enough energy. Like, you know you, you've done this since high school, let's not go there. So you're not gonna touch your food. You're not gonna count calories. You're, I got rid of a lot of mirrors in my house I was like, every time I see a mirror, all I see is something negative because I'm not the trainer that I feel like I should be at this point. I should be showing at nationals. I should be, you know, my horses should be further along, blah, blah, blah. And over time, I caught my brain even getting a little bit positive. You're like, oh, I actually, I feel, my body feels good today. I've done a good job taking care of her. And once that started happening, that had such a peaceful snowball effect um, of just, it felt good. And it felt there was that sense of ease. And 
I could now interact with food from that place of, okay, I can choose something that's a little bit healthier because now I can feel what foods give me inflammation and what foods don't because I'm not inflamed with all of my hatred for myself. And now I can take better care of myself. And then I start to feel better. So I start to move more. So that whole initial goal of taking exercise so that I can become thin and beautiful and blah, blah, blah. My whole relationship with exercise changed to, I just want to feel better in my movement. And I could catch things like, ooh, my arm moves a little bit more this week than last week. Hell yeah. Um, I think that answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very yeah, distracted. my little whiteboard is an entire <laughs> new set. <laughs> and I'm like looking at the time and I'm like, oh God, I know Amber always keeps us on time. So I'm going to be really fast <laughs> and sure bullet points. But that it's just so wild too how hard it is to find the neutral. Like that exercise really fucked me up and it continues to fuck me up like on the daily where I like find my pendulum and then I have like anxiety about the neutral and I'm like, it's fine. Like you don't have to find the neutral right now. Like the awareness piece is how it starts. So it's that, that exercise was so fun. And something that Amber has helped me with too, with those intrusive thoughts is like, she'll be like clear, cancel, delete. And she has like a hand movement that she does too. And so I do that now. Like I find the intrusive thought of like, you know, you can't sleep in this morning, you lazy the apple. And I'm like, ah, clear, cancel, delete. Like my body knows what it needs. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, exactly. It's like such a thing. You know, I'm, I'm going to so circle this back around to horses because. Like, <laughs> so when I think about it from like a horse's perspective, because I can't not. Right. First thing, like, so like going back to what we were talking about where people I feel like people are always like, I want to put my horse first. And if it's something to do for my horse, then I'm happy to do it for myself. But the reality is, and I've been learning this like hardcore over the last like year and a half is like, you can't ask your horse to do something that you will not do for yourself. Like you have to do it for yourself first. You have to experience it for yourself first. Otherwise you can't provide it for your horse. And if you think you are, you're just shitting yourself. Like you're just prolonging your journey by like <laughs> trying to be. And, and another thing that kind of came up for me is you, uh, you said it's okay to be broken. And that's something that my horse actually told me, um, in a conversation that I had with someone the other day, like, you have to be able to see me as I am. And I was like, well, I kind of mm -hmm. see you as broken right now. And he's like, okay, so, so be it. Like, if you see me as broken, does that give me permission to just be as I am? And I was like, yeah, it kind of does. And it makes me think of how many of us are striving to like, quote, fix our horses. Like, there's never yes. permission to be it's always like, how can I be better for my horse? And are we even asking our horses, like, do you want to be better? Do you want to fix this pain? Are you ready to change this? Like, or have I ever even given you permission to be? And that's something that I've been really sitting with over the last week and a half with Kip is like, have I really ever given you permission to just be where you are in your body? I don't think so. I look at you and I look at your feet and I'm like, well, I should probably trim your toes back. I should probably do some more exercises. I should probably do this and that. And so the, the, it's okay to be broken. I just, I was 
I had to mute myself because I literally had to squeak out an actual laugh <laughs> at the universe just being here it is again don't fucking forget like your horse <laughs> has permission to be broke and it's not that he believes he's broken he knows that I'm in a state where I can't see him other than what his mm -hmm. body is in my own perception so I just have to like it's not that he's seeing that within himself but I'm seeing that about yeah. him and he's just like all right sit with that for a minute and if that's what it takes to allow me to just be where I'm at and I feel yep. like there's a lot of um yeah there's there's a lot of and I think that kind of goes back to like the the societally acceptable way of being um, mm -hmm. and breaking away from that because I know that my little hamster will will be like, well, if you have like, like you have five horses and none of them are rideable right now. And like you're a communicator right. and you should be able to like, you know, know all. And then it's like, is it like acceptable for me to see my horse who's kind of losing weight and losing top line and if someone else looked at him they'd be like oh is that like is that horse like thick or old I mean he's not that way like if I posted a, I would if I posted a picture of him but my mind goes there you know what I mean where I'm like oh you don't mm -hmm. have the top line like that's not really acceptable I and I have found myself like taking pictures of him in the past and being like that's a terrible angle I can't post that online people are gonna like report me to the fucking ASPCA which is so right. dumb and I right. think it's just like a reflection of like the things we say and like not allowing ourselves to be. And if we don't allow ourselves to just be where we are, find that neutral, we can't allow our horses. And it's this vicious cycle, which is why you really fucked me up. You really did. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm grateful. Uh, not sorry. Grateful. Grateful that we, we get to do this. And it did. And it, I was uh shocked going through um because I thought I had pretty good control of my mind and the truth is I do when I have an external focus or when I had one and as long as I had an external focus because I was doing something I was fixing something I was part of something bigger than myself because obviously I'm a problem and <laughs> as soon as I had to actually sit in my own space and learn to be my own friend, I was like, this, this, whoo, this is the hardest thing I have ever done. Um, and <laughs> that you're right. The society acceptable way to be is that you are on a trajectory headed upwards towards a goal blah, blah, blah. And that I am so thankful. If I am thankful for nothing, I don't think anything else bigger than this, that in this shift towards we need to listen to horses' bodies, we are catching it before it turns into, and I always need to be fixing them. Because I do think that there was that big shift because, because that's how our brains work, right? If they're not all okay then they all need to be fixed but we just we did we did it as a society we just jumped right over the neutral of they just want to be let's start there and and pick tact and we just want to be too right of let's pick tactics that all that allow us to hold on to whatever that neutral space is to just 
be as we are right now in this moment. And then from here, decide how far can I go today? Do I need to stay in bed and rest a little bit longer? Or do I actually need to get up and go feed the horses because Logan's going to be up historically in 15 minutes and the horses really like to be fed before the little man gets up? Like that we can use our beautiful supercomputers in our brain for something other than tearing ourselves down and go, hold up, hang on brain. Quit AIing all of that crap that's mean to me. And let's come back to what actually is it that I want to get out of today? What do I want to get out of this year? Is that feasible? What steps do I need to take? What pitfalls came along the way? Same for our horses, right? There are plenty of horses that are climbing up the ladder in competition and something happens and we have to come back to the base, whether that was something that was already there, that was found, that the horse's body finally hit the wall or uh, an accident or, you know, wherever it came from. Uh, we have to breathe into that or it's easier if we breathe into that neutral space and then look at the facts without judgment, without these are problems, without I have to fix this right this second because it's so knee jerk and so oftentimes like it, it almost feels like from what you're saying that the horses find it as not being in integrity in a way or not being authentic because we still don't see them. We still just miss them completely and ourselves on the way, right? Just we, we walk right by towards the new goal is to fix. It's a beautiful goal, but I, I love the, can I just be? Yeah. And I feel like a little piece of that is, well, people get to, I sometimes ask this very uncomfortable question to people about why do you need your horse to be broken? And it's like, well, <laughs> oh, so there's so much offense, but it's triggering it's, me. <laughs> where, you know, it's like that piece of, do you get to skip looking at your own work because you get to focus externally on, I'm here to help my horse. I'm serving this purpose for this thing. Um, if I'm, you know, helping them or it's like almost, I don't want to say people pleasy, but it's that energy of like, let me give all the things, you know, and that makes me worthy of being here and existing and having these relationships versus I can do that for myself first, but that's much more difficult. Nobody really wants to do that. But I was that whole piece of what I felt like was mutating for me in my career path was that how was I getting the people part where I was getting to work with the people, which was not something that I ever thought I wanted to do. And now it's like all I want to do where it was like, oh, because the horses are bringing them forward because the people that come get to the point where they're like, this isn't working anymore. And I want some, they're like, my soul is craving something more. And sometimes you have to go through that shadowy stuff to get there and to be able to create containers and events and spaces where people got to do that and feel like completely safe and supported while they do it is like the freaking juicy stuff that I feel like is at the base of everything ever that needs to happen forward in my life. <laughs> Are you? It is nice. No, I'm not complete. 
but I'm going to force gonna myself. Feel complete because I know you don't. <laughs> but I feel if we ever at any point continue to, I think Celeste's podcast was like two hours or something. Like we just cannot all of because we know each other all so well. And I think it's like, it's little mini reunions when we get to hang out. So we just go on and on. Um, Catherine has a timeline that she told us that I'm going to respect and I'm going to respectfully bombard her with things privately <laughs> later on in the day. Perfect. Message and <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> um, is uh, there anything else you want to share, Catherine? There, there is, it was really funny. So I, um, when I was thinking about hopping on today and as a, my brain's like going like 60 different directions at once. So I'm just going to say the quote, like this quote popped into my head as I was walking up the stairs and they said, this is, this is the piece that I want to share, which is I think we've all seen the quote that is the man in the arena, right? And it's um, this beautiful quote about because you're in there and you're doing you're doing whatever the work is, you're actually embodying it and you're living it and you're not just um, theorizing about it. But that quote, every time I hear it in my head, what my brain does, because it's beautiful and it's friendly now and we're on good terms, is the man in the arena should be in their body. And so often the body is the battlefield and we're fighting ourselves and we're fighting our needs and we're fighting that ability to just be and, and not feel um, threatened and vulnerable, vulnerable there. So we run away from it. And so then we're not, we're not in the arena right? You, you cannot be in the arena with your horse if you're not in your body. Your body is in the arena. You aren't. You're in the future somewhere or in the past or any with the turkeys. Um, <laughs> I was going to go with turkeys. <laughs> with the turkeys. And so that was the quote that was like, make sure you say this, of being able to be in your body because you are in the most beautiful, I'm going to use the word tool rather than weapon. Um, you are the tool through which you experience everything that's going on around you. So if you're not comfortable or feel safe using that tool because of all these things that happened or were said, or however you ended up where you are now, and it feels threatening to give receive B, which is the start of that. So I guess I should say B, receive, give, um, that that's where we, we need to start because otherwise our data points are tangent to where we actually are because they're not coming from a present and embodied space. Yeah, so good. A little period right on that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So if people want to learn more about you or work with you, how can they find you? Uh, well, I should have written that down first because. <laughs> no, I did I, have the thought where I was like, oh, I didn't tell her that we do that at the end, but I can also <laughs> put it in the show notes after so people can find it too. 
I, uh, I have a Calendly page mm-hmm. and um, I am in Celeste's masterclass as well as on the Mighty Networks. And currently those are the best two ways to reach me if you're wanting to book a session. Um, that said, uh, I do <laughs> I do have a Facebook page for Equilibrium um, Biomechanics. And I do also have my personal Facebook page and my email, which is Catherine at equilibriumbiomechanics.com. So, you know, feel free to shoot me an email. And next year, fingers crossed, I'm going to be launching a new course where we dive more into what relaxation and embodiment combining the emotional aspect of being human and the physical aspect of being human. So that's my goal that I get to relaunch just that phase of being human and um, build build from there. So <laughs> I'm looking oh. forward to it. Yay. <laughs> so fun. Okay. So fun. Ta-da, we did it in only an hour we- and a half. I still think that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> that's a win. I know I was like, so we're going to slow down time. We're going to slow down time. I know. Can we bend time like we did on the East Coast? I think about that constantly now. I do I do want to have a um a podcast where all of us come on and talk about our stuff from, but I was like, we better carve out a good chunk of time for that one because. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's going to be like, we should plan lunch in the middle of it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And it was so good to see you. And it was so good to see you too. I was like, oh no, I got sad. Oh no, we need to have another one. When's the date for the next one? I'm getting sad. I agree. I agree. I love, there's a little rainbow, Amber. um, Uh, I love it. So Shaylee sent me a song about rainbows and that's actually my word that I have on my hand today. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my I'm constantly dodging it whenever like a certain time in the morning it starts to happen I'm like oh gosh okay well I had a second where I was like is that her eyeshadow because dang I want oh, that eyeshadow little prism ball it shoots rainbows all over my room <laughs> I love it <laughs> all right see you guys later Thank you for hanging out. see ya